What's cooking? Facts, lies, and everything nice. Welcome to Half Baked Science. We are Hao Zhi, Cheryl, Jean, and Suhana. We are here to serve you your weekly dose of all things psychology and pseudoscience, exclusively on Radio Pulse, the sound of NUS. Hello everyone, welcome back to Radio Pulse, the sound of NUS, and you are listening to episode 3 of Half Big Science. So yes, if you listened to our episode last week, we talked about MBTI, which is um, a personality test that we were all very, very interested in. And if you heard it, maybe you can tell that there is still a lot that we haven't uncovered. There are a lot of other personality tests out there that we want to talk about. So yeah, you're... If you look, if you're looking forward to that, then you're in luck. Cause today we will be continuing our sort of two part series on personality tests, and yeah. So to start us off, maybe Suhana, you can tell us about what will be which personality test we'll be covering today. Hey guys, welcome back to episode three. So yeah, like Jean said, we're going to do more of our personality tests and types today. So I think when you search online, MBTI is the one that comes up the most, which we did in our previous episode, if anyone wants to listen. But today we're going to go into Enneagram, DISC, and type ABCD, which are some of the, I guess, lesser common, but still very talked about, especially in pop culture. So just giving a brief description of the nine for anyone who may not know their own types, it just wants like a little recap. So type one's called the perfectionist. So they're focused on following the rules and doing things the right way. They're always motivated by their desire to live right, to live life the right way. Um, and they always try to avoid taking on any fault or blame. So again, their strengths can be ethical, dedicated, reliable, but their faults are also that they're quite critical of themselves and they tend to see things kind of black and white. Um, and yeah, their basic fears to be bad or corrupt, but their basic desires to be good or have good integrity. Type two is the helper. So yeah, they're always there to lend a helping hand, act as a support system for their friends and family. And they're motivated by their need to be loved and needed at all times. So again, their strengths are caring, they're very interpersonal, warm and giving, but their faults are that they kind of focus on too much on what others need and sometimes they don't acknowledge their own needs. Their basic fear is of being unworthy or being unworthy of love, which is quite a deep thing to say, but their basic desire is just to be loved. Type three are the achievers. So they're success oriented and extremely, extremely driven. They're motivated by their constant need to be successful or at least look successful. So their strengths are that they're adaptable and able to succeed in almost any situation. But the faults are that they feel like their their worth lies in what they can do and accomplish rather than what they are. Their basic fear is to be worthless or insignificant, but their basic desire is to be valued or accepted. Type four is the individualist. So they're just motivated by their need to be as unique as possible. Their strengths are that they're creative, sensitive, and introspective, but their faults are that they desire to be seen and understood at all times. And sometimes that could come off as jealous or moody. And yeah, their basic fear is to have no identity and no personal significance, but their basic desire is just to be meaningful based on who they are and their inner experience. So type five is the investigator. So you might call them the scientists or the professors, but they just love to learn. So they're constantly striving to conserve energy and learn more about the world, but at times that makes them a little private and detached. So their strengths are that they're really knowledgeable, curious, and insightful, but the faults are that sometimes they struggle to connect with their emotions and they're very detached. 
But yeah, their basic fear is just to be useless or helpless, and their basic desire is to be capable and competent. Type six is the loyalist. So they're motivated by fear and the need for security. And loyalists are actually the most common type, fun fact. So they value friendship and loyalty, but they're also very worst case scenario type of thinkers. So their strengths are that they're committed, practical, and witty, but their faults are that they can be quite anxious and sometimes they struggle with self-doubt. Their basic fear is to be without security and support, but their basic desire is to have security and support. As simple as that. And type seven is the enthusiast. So they are positive, fun-loving, spontaneous, and just motivated, motivated by a need to be happy. They don't want to be tied down, and it says that they're always full of energy. Their strengths are that they're adventurous, always planning something fun, loves new experiences, but their faults are that they struggle with recognizing their limits and tend to overexert themselves, and they can struggle with doing fun things in, in order to just avoid internal pain. So their basic fear is to be confined or in pain, but their desire is just to be happy and satisfied. Type eight is the challenger. So they're motivated by their need to always assert strength and control over everyone around them, which is a little intense, just the way this is being described. But they're leaders, but they are also apparently obsessed with controlling everything around them. So their strengths are they're commanding, direct, reliable, very protective, but the faults are at times they can get confrontational and always need to be in control. Their basic fear is to be harmed or controlled by others, but their desire is just to be controlled and protect themselves and others. And finally, type nine is the peacemaker. So they value harmony, comfort, and peace. They're motivated by a need to always keep the peace and avoid conflict at all costs. So the strengths are that they're pleasant, laid back, and accommodating, but the faults are that they can explode with anger if they bottle things in for too long and they can be too complacent at times. Their basic fear is to be disconnected and separate or lost, but their basic desire is to have peace and stability in their internal and external world. That was really heavy. That was like a wrap. <laughs> no, I feel like I knew about these nine, but I didn't know, especially the way this article, which we'll link later, the way this article is going into it, they're very like blunt, like, oh, this type is like this, yeah. this type like that. Mm. I guess for like, if it's your first time hearing about Enneagram, it can get quite like messy because I remember when I first read about it, I felt like there was a lot of overlaps between the types as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. So but I'm curious to know what are you guys' Enneagrams though? You guys took the test already? Yeah. Okay, maybe yeah. Maybe I'll start first. Okay. So do you want to guess what my Enneagram Actually, it's a bit hard to guess, right? Because there's like nine of them. Yeah, I'm I think okay. Maybe I'll just say that. So yeah, you, you just guess. Yeah, you want to guess? Go ahead. No, I think like Enneagram is hard to guess because unlike MBTI, so I think the domains of MBTI can be is manifested through how you live your life. So by observing someone and observing their thoughts, their lifestyle preferences, it's very easy to guess what their MBTI is. But the thing about Enneagram is that it's actually yeah you're, yeah it's like basically thoughts. And your emotions. Yeah, yeah. It's based on your motivation and like your fears and like what's going on internally. Yeah. Because yeah, like there isn't any like basic fear, basic desire breakdown thing in MBTI, but in Enneagram it's quite heavily based on that. So I maybe I don't want to guess. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can try. I can try. It's a thank you to 11% chance, you know. Oh, oh. that's true. <laughs> that's true. Wait, I think I think it's number six. Six is the second 
that second component that's like the largest. Because like after I did the test, right, they actually split into like show like how much of a percentage of each component you are. And yeah. six was the second one. My main anagram is nine. So I'm a peacemaker. Oh, oh. Nice. I see that. I saw it too. I was like, oh, I think he's either a nine or a two. <laughs> yeah, yes, two was the third one, correct. <laughs> oh, okay. Fun fact also. I think that there's this correlation study that was conducted between Enneagram types and MBTI types. And type 9 is very highly correlated with INFPs. Yeah, but okay, let's, let's get to this later. Let's talk about our Enneagrams first. But yeah, Cheryl, what about you? I'm also 9. So many peacemakers. That's why we're such a peaceful group. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jim? I, oh... I think I said just now I didn't like my MBTI. I, I didn't like my anagram, but my, my anagram is type three. Okay. What's I, don't like I feel so like yeah, so for those of you who like don't know what type three is or you guys forgot because it's your first time listening, type three is actually the achiever. And um we are said to be quite like success oriented and driven and we place a lot of weight on the things we can do and our performance, which I guess sometimes can be quite good, but at the same time, it can get very, very draining for me. So like, that's why I don't really like my Enneagram type. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. it's the toxic one, you I, know. I feel I'm so- a supporter for you because, so my type is type seven, but oh, my no. second most type is type three. So <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> my my second biggest like type is type eight. Oh, okay. It's mm-hmm. also like something that's that I don't really like. One? Yeah, type A is the challenger. So we're like, we're like confrontational and we're like straightforward. We're direct. I don't like that. I just, I really don't like that. We I'm don't have to It's fine. I'm oversharing on this podcast. Fine. <laughs> to link back to like our first episode, you know, like how she did the, like the four colors, right? Oh, the eye, the eye color. Yeah, I feel like go, go is like all a coming bit, together. Like go, go is a bit similar to the stuff you have, like the types that you are though. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. to give the listeners context, if you did not listen to our first episode, how to basically did like a very brief like exercise thing where like he he looked into our eyes and then he he guessed like what kind of personalities we are. But if you're more interested into that, you can head back to our first episode to listen to it. But yeah, he basically said that I give off like the gold, like I forgot what it was. It's like very like, oh, yeah, like, very responsible, but yeah, correct. So yeah, it kind of matches what anagram genius, I guess, because there are people who are more driven. They know what they want, like they like doing the pros and cons of the situations and uh, yeah. yeah, they just want to know that everything's under control. Mm. I think it's quite like it corresponds also with my MBTI. So uh I don't like it. Similar. They're <laughs> all kind of following the same similar traits. And then again, it's like there's no right or wrong to like a personality, you know, there's no there's no need to feel good or bad of what you are, but well, it just describes how we how we approach certain situations or how we feel about ourselves. And yeah, it's just like, that's why it's pseudoscience. It's just a basis of what we actually are, you know? So I mean, don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> I guess there isn't any right or wrong. But at the same time, there's always like preferences. What, you know what I mean? That's true. And I think like I would prefer not to be so upfront all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I just wish I was a bit more of like a people person, but I'm I'm working on it. So keep exactly. me accountable. 
like that's one thing I really like about these personality types is because or like these tests is because sometimes you know you have these internal feelings or desires as as evident by Enneagram then maybe it's difficult for you to put a finger on it or like why you are the way you are why you interact with people the way you do but I think sometimes by seeing it like laid out in front of you that you are like this it's easier to identify your strengths and weaknesses and things that you can work on like after finding out my MBTI like four or five years ago I think it drastically shifted the way I viewed I was applying to university at the time so it was like very helpful for me to just kind of know my strengths and weaknesses and just kind of know how to you know portray myself better in the world of course it is kind of like all in your head at the end of the day like you don't really need a test to tell you what to do better in life but I, I think it's like a good like guide in the direction like Jean whatever you said like these are things you kind of want to work on or this is something you want to do better at I think similarly when I look at mine I'm like okay maybe I can like put less of my self-worth on this or less focus on this yeah, but do you guys feel like your enneagrams are very accurate though like compared to your MBTI or like which one do you guys feel you relate more to actually for me right I find the enneagram is a super super accurate description of myself because okay it says that like, my strength is like basically I'm a very laid back person <laughs> very, I'm super accommodating which is quite true I'm a kind of a go with the flow kind of person I wouldn't I won't, basically I don't like to be in the spotlight I just like to follow how things are and then when things fall into place I feel very comfortable and like the basic desire right they mentioned which is to like have inner peace and a state of zen right I resonate with that so so much because like I realize when there's conflict right I've, be whether with like my own thoughts or like with people right I tend to get like very frazzled and then I'll get very annoyed with myself cause like so yeah it kind of matches the desire of me wanting to have peace and everything so like the thing is I, I realize that I try to have this like trait in my life also like I tend to try to find the easiest way to solve a solution like the most painless way to do things cause like it disrupts my inner peace the least and then also right the mention of the like the faults and basic fear is super accurate because I'm the kind of person who will tend to like keep my feelings to myself a lot, even if I'm, like, unhappy or whatnot, right? So, as we all know, you know, when you bottle things up, eventually it reaches a point where they just go, kaboom, they explode. And when that happens, yeah, not too nice. So, yeah, it's very true that, like, the fault you mentioned, like, can explode with anger when, like, you're keeping things for too long. And I think um certain things about, like, my own, like, personality also is that I tend to, I might seem very, like, complacent at times, which is also true, but then deep down I just want to keep doing what I'm doing without being disturbed so it just looks like I'm complacent but yeah and yeah the basic fear of being disconnected I realized that that's quite true also because like recently I realized that you know with COVID and everything you don't really get to see your friends very often so like now that you get a chance to meet your friends more because the situation is getting better right I realized that um I really appreciate the time that I get to spend with people compared to when like during COVID I'm just like oh no where's everyone you know feeling a bit lost and lonely so yeah I think that for me the Enneagram kind of resonates more with me than the MBTI Mm-hmm. Well, my MBTI is a defender type. It's more of like um, helping others, which I kind of it kind of relates to being accommodating and whatnot. But I feel as for the parts on like weaknesses and fears, the Enneagram has a larger like it's more grounded in how I feel about it, lah. Yeah. I have a theory. Okay, after oh. <laughs> listening to, <laughs> I'm very interested. After listening to Howard's thoughts on how accurate his Enneagram is versus his MBTI. So you're saying that there is a bit of a discrepancy between how the Enneagram describes you and how the MBTI describes right. you. And right. this brought me back to the moment where in episode one, I think we talked about how there are three versions of ourselves. There's who we think we are, who we really are, and who people think we are. Like who, how people perceive us. 
based on what I'm hearing or based on what you've explained so far, it seems to me that maybe the MBTI is sort of more fixated on, and more based on like how people like see us, whereas the mm-hmm. Enneagram is more based on like who we think we are. Like, does that like make All sense? Right. Yeah, that like, makes sense. That, that really makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That really makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, like just now, I was also, we were just talking about how like, oh, it's so much more easy to predict like M- someone's MBTI as compared to the Enneagram because Enneagram is so fixated on like internal motivations and like internal thoughts. Like, I don't know, this just, I, I just had to share it because I was oh, so yeah. that I was going to lose this theory. But, no, yeah. I completely agree with that. Okay, Suhana, do you think that your Enneagram corresponds a lot with your MBTI? Yeah, so for me, the top Enneagram was the enthusiast, which is type seven. And I think the second one was type three, which was like the achiever. So enthusiast and my MBTI, which is ENFP, are very, very similar in the sense that that, like they're both about, I think my ENFP is called campaigner. So campaigner and enthusiast are very just like, oh, extrovert, like, you know, likes to move, likes to have things happening. But type three, I like, I see that a lot, not in the way I view myself, because I feel like personally for school or for like my internship or something, it's an important part of my life. But I don't think I think about it that much. Like, I think the way I am as a person, like in regards to being an ENFP or being an enthusiast is a lot more important to me personally. But sometimes like when I have these conversations with my friends, they're all like, oh, like you really, really care about school. You really, really care about work. And I'm like, really? Do I? Like, is that the vibe I give off? So I think similar to what you're saying, Jane, about maybe like I view myself as an ENFP and as a type seven and that type of person. But I think maybe I'm not that much like it. or I don't give that vibe out enough. Maybe I, that's kind of something I want to be. Like, I want to be so like, woo, let's go on a hike. <laughs> but maybe I'm more of a, another type. So yeah, I think the thing about Enneagram that really confused me is because when I read the book Enneagram and You, it was really going into like the details of each type. And three and seven are so far away from each other. Like on the circle, they're not even touching. They're not in the same triad. They're just wildly different. So I'm just like, is it like, do I have two personalities? Because I I do think like being an achiever is what I'm like in school. Like, I think that's what I am when I think about school, when I think about university. But being like extroverted and stuff is who I am personally. So maybe I have two different personalities. Who knows? But I do think, like you said, Houcher, I do agree with the whole like, you know, the strengths and fears um, and like desires. I think that's a lot more descriptive than the MBTI can get, even though MBTI has more personalities, like it's 16 versus nine. I still think the fear and desire is like a trait that I really like about um, Enneagram. Wait, Suhana, just so you mentioned something about like the triads, right? Was that like regarding like Enneagram or like? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So the three triads, so the first one is body or gut, which is type eight, nine, and one. So if you look at the circle, eight, nine, and one are kind of touching each other. And sometimes they have like similar personalities. You might see like, oh, you kind of fall into both of them. So they're associated with doing things and anger. So it can be called like the instinctive triad because that's like people in those three personalities rely on their body or rely on their gut instinct in a sense. And then the heart triad is two, three, four. And they're associated with like emotions and shame. So they're connected with like self-image, desire to create like a version of themselves that's like loved and accepted. So sometimes you might think like, oh, I'm two and a three or I'm three and a four is maybe because you have those similar traits. And then head triad is five, six, seven. And they're all associated with thinking and anxiety. So this is to do with like overthinking and trying to like 
attempt to seek security and guidance, but these are also like the strategic ones. So again, I don't know if you face it, the three triads are important, but I think all of us think with our gut, think with our heart, and also think with our head in different scenarios. Oh, actually that's new to me. I don't think I've ever heard of the triads in Enneagram before. So it's it's pretty cool, it's pretty cool. But I'm a bit like confused now because, okay, so I'm a type 3, right? And like a type 3 is in the heart triad. So basically, exactly. yeah, but to me, I feel like I'm more of like a, like a hit person. So like my MBTI is ENTJ and ENTJs are known to be quite like rational, very, very analytical, very logical which i would assume falls under the the gut triad is it the gut or the body I, yeah yeah the gut one i think the thing yeah. is the heart it says it's associated with emotions and shame so instead of looking at type three as oh they're like overachievers they're planners it's looking at they're afraid of being shamed or like they're trying to create this like image of themselves that's respected in the world which again i think is such a bold claim to make just because we want to do well in school does not mean we're just afraid of what people think of us. I'm not about to overshare on this podcast. <laughs> don't make me overshare. <laughs> no, but I think it's like when you read descriptions like this, because this is like straight up from the Enneagram website. So when you read descriptions of like of this, you can see it nudging towards pseudoscience a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do, I do. Oh, god damn. Oh, that's pretty cool. Wait, so do you guys feel like, because to me, I feel like MBTI is way more popular than Enneagram and like a lot of my friends don't like know Enneagram. So do you guys have any experiences with like any of your friends like talking about Enneagrams or like, um, I think Enneagrams is also just like a lot of other personality tests. It can be used as a means to justify or understand why other people do the things they do, why they see problems in a certain way or like why they act differently from you. So do you guys have any like instances or like stories to share about like anagrams and like your friends? My friends, right? They only know MBTI. Yeah, I think a lot of my friends also know MBTI, but I I guess I like, when I was as we were talking about anagram, I, I got brought back to this instance. So I have a very close friend. He is a type three like me, and I hope he's not listening because yeah, I just really hope he's not listening. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like if you are this friend, you would know that I'm talking about you. So this is your sign to stop listening and go to the next episode. But yes, yeah, so I have this very, very close friend. He's he's very close to me. We are both type threes. And he is also in NUS. Um when he was picking which course he wanted to do, he he was talking to me about it and he was basically contemplating between two different courses. So he wanted to do either econs or CS. And then I was like, oh, you should just um, do whatever you feel most interested in or you should do whatever you feel most passionate about. And then he was like, oh no, but like, but my type three is telling me that I should go for the harder course, like stuff like that. And then he said, he told me this specifically and it, yeah, and like it really... I guess like when he told me this, it kind of like resonated with me. And then he said like, oh, I wouldn't, I'm only telling you because you're type three and I feel like you understand what I'm going through. Oh. Then I was like, that's sweet. Wow. And it made so much sense because I feel like if I was in his position and I was telling like someone else that doesn't approach the world or doesn't see the world the same way as I do, obviously yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said that also. 
So knowing that he's a type 3 and him also knowing that I'm a type 3, we sort of have this understanding that like, oh yeah, I can I can say this to you because I know that you understand what I'm going through. I know that you I know that you will feel like my decision is justified. Yeah. Cause I can imagine if you tell someone who all all they care about is like their emotions or like even Hacha, for example, like I know Hacha's taking a very, very difficult course for anyone listening, but I would think that if you said the same question to like a nine, for example, they would think like, oh no, how do you balance the peace? How do you not give yourself anxiety? And I, yeah, they would definitely have like a different approach to the question. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And that was a, that happened maybe about two years ago. I haven't really thought about it until this memory was revitalized from this episode but yeah, I think it's pretty fitting as to like what we're talking about as well. Cause it's like it goes to show that like knowing about people's personality and like knowing the Enneagram and the MBTI can really help you understand or help you like just really make sense of why they do what they do and the, yeah. the things that they make in their lives. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it really depends. Also, I think right, like if given like if I was the person that your friend told, right? The first question I would ask him is like do you think you'll be happy doing what you're doing Aww. instead of how hard it is? Exactly. And that's like the whole concept of inner peace. Like, if you feel if you feel at peace doing one over the other, then just go for that one. Whatever makes your heart, like whatever floats your boat, you know? Whatever makes you feel the happiest and like calmest, I guess. Yeah. So I guess like our different personality types also kind of let us, lead us to have like a different perceptions of how we understand things. Yeah. And like things that we prioritize. Correct. The things that we prioritize. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. It really depends. Correct. Correct. Hmm. I don't know, guys. I'm just, I was just having a moment with myself, like thinking about that scenario. Yeah. Hmm. But I think enough about Enneagram. Let's move on to the next personality test. Let's talk about the DISC. So, have you guys like took the DISC test before or like, uh, why, why are you guys like experiences with the DISC? So, for DISC, I guess it's actually a personal assessment tool that's been used by more than 1 million people every year to help improve the main ideas of teamwork, communication, and productivity in the workplace. So I guess it's more of a personality personality kind of like a test that kind of decides how people mingle and work around in a workplace. I first ran into it in secondary school during another one of those career workshops. But yeah, let's go through what each of the different segments in DISC means. So People with D personalities, D stands for dominance. These people tend to be confident and place an emphasis on accomplishing bottom line results. So they're people that are very results driven, people that want to get things done. Next, I. I stands for the influencers. These people are more open and they tend to place an emphasis on relationships and are more efficient and better at influencing and persuading others to do what they want. And the third kind, S. S stands for steadiness. These people are dependable and they place emphasis on cooperation and sincerity. So basically, they are like a rock. Yeah. They just want to, you know, they just want things to go smoothly and just be nice to one another. And the last one, C, conscientious people. These people tend to place emphasis on quality, accuracy, expertise, and competency. So, DISC, what are your DISCs? I'm, I'm the rock, man. I'm a rock. No! <laughs> no, okay, but but the test I did, right? The test I did, I got like equal amount of like S and C. Well, I, I think like DSC is not just like because there's four types, right? I think there's also combinations. So you can be like a 
SC, you can be like a CS, you can be like a DC kind of thing. So maybe oh. you're like an SC or a CS, you know? I went on to websites because I don't know how accurate, right? Yeah, and I'm like SC. I was reading through the four types before I did the test, right? And it kind of fit with what I thought I would be like already. So kind of accurate. What about the rest? Would you guys like to guess what my DISC is? Dude, I think there's going to be a trend, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, enlighten me. What do you think my DIS is? I'm calling a D. Same. Yeah, I'm a very high D. <laughs> I'm not even a combination of like DC or anything. I'm just a high D. And I hate it. Uh, no, don't hate it. <laughs> to be fair, right? Technically, in society, you need every type. You think about it. If the world is full of rocks, right? Like rocks like me. Then there'll be no one to like lead us, you know. Right, right. It's a great take, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Even with the four of us, we need some, you know, some change, some dynamic. Otherwise, if all four of us are the same person, what's the fun? Suhana, what's yours? And how's it, what's yours as well? This might come as a bit of a shock because based on like, you know, MBTI and like uh, Enneagram, for me, I'm actually also a D. Ah, I'm oh, a D and an S. Yeah, Wait, a D and an S? That's so weird because it's like... Correct. Opposites, right? Like when it comes to dealing with people, right? I'm the kind of person that's uh S because I want things to be done in a very like amicable, very nice way between people. But then I also cannot stand things not getting done. So <laughs> I'm the kind of like if push comes to shove, right? I can bring out the D in me mm, that's to kind of like force things to get moving. Mm-hmm. La. But then the thing is um sometimes it can lead to like a bit of conflict because when like the D the dominant personality in me comes out, right, I can become very, very blunt. Oh. The thing is like Yeah I can like I know how That's why I get what you mean But like sometimes you don't like Your own like Certain parts of your own personality Cause like you don't resonate with them Like you don't like those feelings That come up when they appear But They kind of get things done Like for me personally Like Sometimes when like Doing projects or whatnot right Like when people kind of like There's always Everyone's just waiting For a project leader to come out Just waiting for things to happen right So during that kind of situation Like the D me will just Like to like Get things rolling uh. Yeah, I'll just start to push for deadlines, set things out. It's it's not the most fun job, you know. Like I don't I don't really resonate with that kind of idea of pushing people to do things. But sometimes you just gotta be the enabler. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a surprise for myself, especially when I did the test. Cause like I didn't expect myself to like have a dominant side of me. I mean yeah. maybe there was some part of me that was dominant, but I just don't really use it that often unless I'm really forced to do it. So yeah, might be true that we all have like different personalities. Yeah. Right. It's just like what you would prefer to use and like usually correct, you correct. much more prefer to pull out that peacemaker in you. But yeah. it's really nice to see that you have like you have like so many sides. You know, <laughs> like you're so like holistic. <laughs> yeah, I think- holistic personality types. <laughs> holistic person, well-rounded person. Yeah, so mine came out as mostly I which is a, just a shocker if you see the Wow, other I'm so surprised. So surprised, I right? guess yeah. you will be the I type. The social type beats me. I know, right? <laughs> Again, like, I don't like that it keeps saying that. Not, not like I don't like, but I don't think I give off that same personality to everybody I meet. Like, again, what I was saying about, like, school and stuff. I'm quite precise when it comes to school. Like, I'm quite determined when it comes to school. So I have, like, little bits of all of them. So I don't really... I don't know. But one thing, Archer, that you were saying that I really, really get is what you were saying about, like, sometimes when you do something, but it's, like, conflicting personalities. Like, I feel like that so, so often. Like, I don't know if cognitive dissonance is the best word for it, but sometimes I'm just, like, so angry at myself because, like I said, like, I'm quite 
like impromptu spontaneous but then when it comes to school I'm like why can't you just finish your work why I'm like the biggest procrastinator in the world but then I think it hit a point where I realized I like doing things under pressure like I, I think it tests me and challenges me in a way that if I had five days to write an essay I don't think I would have written a good essay no no, no that's toxic that's toxic <laughs> that's toxic <laughs> for content Jean is waving her hand no, no I'm just like no no <laughs> <laughs> no, I know like when it comes to group projects I'm like Sohana throw your working style out the window because you're not stressing anyone else out like you can stress yourself out but don't throw anyone under the bus with you but that's the thing like I know that this is the way I work I know that this is the person I am so yeah like I guess once you figure that out you're just a bit like what but sometimes I get so pissed at myself because I'm like why can't you just just, just be different right you know how for Jean and Sohana it's very easy to tell what their result would be, right? <laughs> I think it might also be because of like how the test is done in the first place. Like for example, for like all my all the three tests that I've done so far, right? For the three personality tests we've been talking about, I can always see myself putting a bit of an emphasis on like, oh, I like to help people, oh I'm so helpful, I'm so nice, those type of things. <laughs> like like, like even <laughs> I think that in all this stuff, personality test, like you always focus on something a bit more. Maybe Jean, she always focus on like what, oh, I have to like be in control. I have to do all this. So for the DISC test, the one I did was basically you choose the word that fits you the best and the least, right? So I think that there's some sort of... Like an experimental bias. Like you want to see that result. So you pick that because you sort of have this perception that you are already like that kind of thing, right? Yeah, and also, right... The DI- I did the DI- DISC test, the last among all the three, right? And for MBTI, right, I've always, they keep telling me, oh, you're so helpful. My friends are all like, oh, you're so nice. Oh, you always help us, Aww. this type of thing, right? So because of all these external factors, so when I put the DISC, right, all the forwards, I think they're about the same to me, but I'll still just put helpful first. Yeah. Even though, so I think like, there may be some potential, like, areas of inaccuracy in all the tests. I guess that's also why people consider it as pseudoscience because in this manner, it's not that objective because how can you even like make it objective? There has to be some biases that's been going around which is so hard to eradicate. Exactly. And going into the, like, I'm just going to quickly touch on A, B, C, D because I think it's such a common thing like, oh, I'm type A, type B. But again, so the type, the fourth type, A, B, C, D, um, is type A is the director. So they're goal-oriented, risk-taking, good under stress. B is the socializer, relationship-oriented, outgoing, enthusiastic. C is the thinker. They're detail-oriented, logical, prepared. And D is the supporter. They're task-oriented, stabilizing, and cautious. So again, I don't know if you guys see a pattern with this and DISC, but again, when it comes to just four personality types, you either feel like you fall into two or you'll feel like it's kind of obvious which one you are, but you have traits from the other ones. But if we did the test... I think we would just kind of fall back into the same thing that we've been talking about for the last hour. Okay, so I've never taken the type ABCD. I don't know if you guys have, but um, let's try to guess each other's type then. Hmm, I wonder what type I am. <laughs> Is it an A? I don't know. <laughs> I think Suhana should have a type taken B. Test or so. Suhana, you should be a type B, right? Oh my god, what a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cheryl's a type D. Yeah, I think Cheryl's type D, the supporter, and I definitely think Actually, maybe the type C with a little bit I'm not bit sure, of- yeah. Because I was just thinking about how, like, we're actually pretty well-rounded. Like, our personalities right. are quite well-rounded. Right. So we have, like, I's, we have these. 
we have like S, so we have C's as well. Like even our MBTIs, which wow, like what are the chances? But again, like that comes down to I think why all of us found that MBTI and Enneagram were a bit more descriptive is because there were sixteen and nine types, whereas these last yeah. two were four. Yeah. So yeah, for anyone listening, if you want to take the test, feel free to and do send us your your results. But yeah, I I I believe that y'all will have a really good time. It will be very insightful. Okay, so. Yep, that wraps up part two of our personality series and hopefully you guys found it as fun to listen to as we found it so fun to talk about. But yeah, um, I guess this is just a shower thought and if anything, if there's one thing that you would want to take home from listening to this episode and also our previous episode about MBTI is that you should always take these personality tests with a pinch of salt and never let it define who you are. And yeah, don't take life so seriously, guys. But yeah. yes, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We thank you once again for tuning in to Radio Pulse, Sound of NUS, and we hope to see you guys again next week. Bye! Bye.